Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How are you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio. For 10 years, the number one Irish tech podcast bringing you the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. All brought to you by the PRTG Network Monitor from Paisler.com, which monitors your IT infrastructure 24-7. And should anything happen, it will alert you to problems before your users even notice. Cool. Hmm? Check out their system at www.paisler.com and find out how you can work smarter, faster and better. Remember, as well as our show on air with RTE and online via the website or wherever you get podcasts, we keep you up to date on all things tech every day with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie. Joining me, as always, is our Tech Central editor, Niall Kitson. I suppose uh, I, I, there's two big stories kind of this week. Uh, we had um, uh, the, the whole Tesla. Uh, are they going to sell? Are they going to go private? Uh, what are they going to do? And then we had Android Pie. Which do you want to tackle first? Uh, okay, let's get Tesla out of the way first. Tesla it's, out of the way first. It's a little bit of a nothing burger of a story, but I think it shows the power of hype when it comes to um, big idea companies like Tesla, uh, Tesla that really haven't delivered so much on their promise for various reasons. Um, but during the week, Elon Musk said, you know what, this, this whole being public thing, maybe not that into it. Maybe I'll find someone to come and buy up the company, take it private, and I'll still be CEO. And the market loved it. They thought this, you know, the market thought this was a fantastic idea. And shares in the company jumped from $320 up to about $480 before uh, the Nasdaq ceased trading Mm. for their for their own good. I don't know, Dusty. I I think it's it's hype. It's a nothing burger. It just shows the power of personality. Well, I would say hype, uh, and I wouldn't say nothing burger. And I would I would say that actually that shows very good signs for the future for the whole Tesla project because you've got Elon Musk who wants control of it. Uh, you because I mean once a public uh, once a company goes public, you literally are a slave to the shareholders. And we were talking about this last week. All the shareholders care about is: Am I going to get a dividend? And are my shares worth more now than what I paid for them? That's all they care about. They don't care about the product of the company or whatever. Whereas Elon Musk has the vision and he knows exactly where he wants to go with it. Also, I think what's interesting about this story is that it did show that the uh, Saudis are buying in big time into Tesla. And perhaps Elon Musk is afraid that they will buy in so much that he will definitely lose control. That's a very good point. And it's it's a similar move that's happening with Snap as well, because Snap, uh, which is the company behind Snapchat, lost something like 2 million users over the last quarter over a, a redesign. And social networks live and die by the growth yeah. of their populations. Yeah. Uh, if you show any sort of loss of users, I mean, that's a sign of tremendous weakness. Yes. Uh, even if you're Facebook. So uh, there's there's been a fair bit of Saudi money po- poured in there as well. Uh, I'm sure, at, you know, the, uh, a wonderfully reasonable market rate uh, as well. So yeah, I think we're we're probably going to see an awful lot more high profile uh, investments from the Middle East come coming into the valley. We shall see. Uh, tell me about Android Pie. Now this has been this is out in the world now for real, and it has a name and everything. Well, yeah, it's called Android Pie. I know. I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, of course, it has a name. Uh, this is this is of more interest to you than it is to me. But there are a few things uh, up there that I thought, oh, okay, that's actually quite innovative. Some some small things, some some big things, and and I'd like your input on this. Um, the notch, 
that the iPhone X gave us. Who knew it would be a thing? It's a thing. It's probably the most interesting thing Apple has done in five years. <laughs> Giving us a notch on a phone. Well, listen, that, that whole notch thing, to quote you, is a nothing burger. <laughs> yeah, but Android Pie has found a way to integrate the notch into the operating system. And it doesn't matter what phone you're using, whether it's a Lenovo, a Motorola or whatever. If you're running Android Pie uh, with a notch, uh, if you're running an Android phone with a notch, you can actually tailor Android Pie just to fit the notch. Right. So you don't have like a, a wide uh, notch or whatever. So you've got as much of the bezel as possible. And I think that's a neat little trick. It's the sort of thing that you go, you know what? Somebody actually thought about this. Uh, and also, OK, fair enough. It looks like notches are here to stay just so you get even more screen, ah. uh, less bezel. Ah. Oh, enough. my day is made. <laughs> the era of the notch has arrived. <laughs> I can sleep once more. <laughs> Sorry, that's a serious dose of sarcasm there, isn't it? <laughs> Ever so slightly. Ever so slightly. <laughs> Tell me what else with uh, the new Android Pie. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, one thing, I know, well, another thing that I quite like about Android Pie is that it figures out how you use your phone. Uh, Samsung tried a, a, a similar trick with uh, its Bixby personal assistant, uh, and we all know, love, and use it. Don't you, Dusty? <laughs> Yeah, it's nearly as yeah. popular as the notch. Anyway, go on. Yeah, well, you know, uh, what Bixby's thing was meant to do is, uh, oh, it'll learn how you use your phone and it'll prioritize your apps accordingly. And guess what? Android Pie seems to be borrowing an awful lot of those tricks now as well. Mm. Uh, for example, it, it figures out how many apps you use on a regular basis. Uh, how much power should be devoted to apps you're using versus apps that you don't use uh, too often. So you might get your browser will launch super quickly while that obscure e-reader with nothing on it uh, might open just a tad slower, but that's fine. Um, also, uh, they have the idea of digital well-being, which is which is a wonderful idea because one of the th- one of the traps that I get stuck into uh, as a technology journalist is that I need a constant flow of information throughout the day, which means that I look at my phone 30, 40, 50 times a day Mm. and it's not good for me. I know it's not good for me. And I think a lot of people that are in the same boat uh, feel the same way. We we know this is an unhealthy pattern of device usage. Well, one of the things you can do at Android Pie is you can limit um, the access to certain apps during the day or maybe you know from nine o'clock onwards i just want quiet mode L- little things that we've seen in other operating systems but have come together mm. under this one banner that you know you know what you can you can do this and this is you know s- siloed away into one set of, of uses but the main thing about android pie dusty and you should be super excited about this go on gesture controls uh, uh, okay, yeah, I can see why you think I would be excited, but I, I've had Samsung phones for a long time, and they've had gestures for uh, a long time as well. And, you know, I never use them. Uh-huh. I was very excited when they came out for, oh, this is amazing. I can turn web pages without even having to turn the phone. Look at that, a wave of the hand. And, uh, you know, I just don't use it. Right. So it okay. is uh, It is kind of interesting with uh, uh, d- uh, that. What, what kind of stuff does it do with gestures then? What's, what's the one thing yeah, that oh, made no, you I, go, wow? I think one of the things that probably hindered gesture control in the past was that there weren't functions that used gesture control that made you go, oh, 
okay, now mm. now I get it, that you have been able to use gesture controls, but there haven't really been features designed specifically for them. Uh, one example, I think, is the new way that you can manage um, multiple apps running at the same time. Uh, one way you can do it now is you can minimize the apps and you can see what's running on each screen as opposed to having, you know, the little bookmarklet or, or the little sort of corner of a page showing. So you'll, you'll be able to see what's going on on the full screen. That's quite nice. But you can imagine being able to cycle through pages like that using a gesture and it would feel quite, quite an elegant way of using your phone because I think the way we're interacting with phones now it's 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 quite stale the model I you know it needs to be it needs to change up and I don't think voice is there yet I think people are still quite frustrated with voice um especially if you look at what's happening with Cortana uh, in Ireland mm-hmm. mind you I, it's I, I, not. funny you say that I see people using voice more and more yeah yeah um and that's that's healthy that's great mm. i mean there's there's a i i would much rather somebody use whatsapp via a, a voice interface than uh mm. you know try to tap out a message when i know they're in transit in a, in a car um i think that solves that particular problem um but the gestures but yeah. anyway what's what's the one thing that impressed you with the gestures i think just how fluid um they are and the i think m- much in the same way that mm. Um, the likes of Skype got, well, not Skype, but the likes of FaceTime got interesting when you saw it out in the wild. I think gesture controls will get that kind of aha moment when you see it being done by regular people. And then you go, ah, now I get it. That's cool. Okay, great. Well, listen, we'll keep keep an eye on that. Uh, Android Pie available on all Google phones at the moment. Just uh, hit your update feature and you'll get it. Uh, Other models and brands and stuff like that will get it in due course. Or, of course, you can go out there and you can download it directly from the internet. I'm not even going to start getting into that right now. But if you uh, are aware of that, then you certainly know how to do it. Uh, Niall, as always, thanks for keeping us up to date on what's happening this week. This is Tech Center. Your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. Okay, now uh, let's get into our interview for this week. Tanya Duncan is our guest, a lady that you met during the week. Who is she, uh, Niall? Yeah, she's the Managing Director of Interaction, which is a carrier neutral data centre operator. And uh, I think we had a, a pretty interesting conversation. Let's take a listen. Tanya, when we talk to people that have reached a certain, uh, I guess, position in the technology industry in Ireland, we often wonder how they got there. And very often we find that these are people with a technical background that have uh, evolved their career, I suppose, into the business side of things. And you have a similar story. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me, Niall. So my background um, uh, is in mechanical manufacturing engineering. I've got a primary degree uh, in, in engineering from Trinity College. Um, so when I finished my engineering degree, it gave me a very kind of broad, I guess, um, education and, and I guess a way of thinking, um, which I brought into my, my first, uh, the first step of my career, which was in the telecommunications um, sector. Uh, so I worked with um, ESAT BT uh, in and then moved on to KPN Quest. They were a company who were rolling out a, uh, a pan-European fibre network, um, which then actually brought me uh, to Interaction uh, in 2001. Um, again, you know, it's kind of all of these uh, roles within these companies were, were quite technical, um, but gave me a good understanding and broad understanding of of the industry um, and all all aspects and elements of the various departments and and uh, people that. Uh, come together in order to make an organization work and function. Um, 
So when I started an interaction, I actually uh, started as a project manager. Uh, I didn't know much uh, about uh, the industry, what a data center was, uh, but I knew it involved something about, uh, you know, highly engineered buildings, uh, had a bit of telecommunications, had a bit of IT. Um, so probably like a lot of people you speak to, Niall, uh, you, you kind of fall into these things, especially when you're young and you, you know, you do your bit of research on, on the company you're going into, but you don't always know exactly uh, how it's going to track uh, and and you're a lot you're a lot of more fearless then um, when you you perhaps don't have uh, as many responsibilities um, and are willing to give things a go and new industries a try so that's really how I ended up um, uh, in this in this industry and how my career actually started uh, in as I say in a technical uh, role but then uh, evolved over time so um, having been a part of a project team uh, with interaction it was a small team, and the company was very small at the time. There were there were ten of us uh, when I started back in 2001. Um, so I got a lot of exposure to all elements of the business uh, and how it run, runs commercially. Uh, you know, from a marketing perspective, from a sales perspective. Uh, you know, you even get um, insight into, into uh, financially how, how an organization runs as well. Um, so having having all touched on all those things, um, there was a natural evolution, as as I guess. Um, um, you know, you prove yourself in, in the role that you have um, to branch out and to try other things. And, and that's uh, how I actually became operations manager, which was the, the next step uh, in my career. Um, again, uh, the company gave me the, the opportunity to, to kind of progress and, and uh, prove prove oneself, so to speak. Um, and as the, the company grew, uh, I, I grew with it. Um, and uh, that, I guess, brought me on to uh, the next the next step uh, in, on the ladder, which was um, the, the managing director role. So um, I had done, uh, you know, graduate uh, um, course in, in, in management uh, and, in, and in business. So that gave me, uh, I guess, the um, the educational background and and the the confidence to understand uh, all elements of the business, having been to expose them uh, exposed to them day to day, uh, and now formalising it through some formal education as well. Um, it allowed me to take on the role and and uh, you know grow grow with that as well. So that that's how I ended up where I am today. In looking at a data centre industry in general, I mean, this is uh, an industry that has grown up with broadband, which is a fairly controversial subject uh, in Ireland from from the get-go. What do you think are the challenges that an industry such as yours faces? I mean, you're, you're... dealing with an awful lot of people that, as you said, don't necessarily come from a management background uh, or even a technical background. They're coming from a place of curiosity, first and foremost. So how do you start getting that message across that, look, data centers are here. You don't necessarily have to keep all your information on premise. And yes, we we are actually a, a responsible industry to deal with as well, that it's not a case of just throwing all your stuff over onto our network or onto uh, our service, um, we do actually help you along the way as well in terms of dealing with the information you have uh, Mm -hmm. and how it can potentially be used to your benefit. Yeah, so I guess the the industry has uh, evolved um, a lot over the last uh, 15, 20 years. Um, You know, originally there was very little knowledge of of what a data center was, let alone what, you know, benefits it could provide to your your business or to your end users. 
Um, so the knowledge base of, of our customers and, and our customers are cross industry um, is, is, you know, far more educated. Um, you know, the benefits of being with a data center aren't aren't just simply, you know, we keep your, your information safe uh, and, and available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, it's more about uh, the community and, and the interconnection hub that we create. Um, you know, the data centers uh, and the data center fabric are likened to, you know, almost like an airport. Um, uh, so, you know, being being an internet connection hub and that place where your, your information uh, is processed, is stored, uh, is transacted or sent on is such an important part of, uh, you know, your IT infrastructure, uh, whether you're an enterprise, whether you're a small business, whether you're a very, very large um, cloud service provider. It's a natural, a natural hub for all that information. Um, so, you know, the fact that a data center, uh, uh, as I say, is this highly engineered building that's secure, um, that will always uh, keep your, your data available, is just one element of it. The, the, uh, the fact that we have you know, multiple carriers uh, uh, to choose from to give you a choice of, of you know, very cost-effective uh, connectivity uh, pricing um, to, uh, you know, the diversity that you might need, um, the fact that we have uh, connections to, uh, you know, the, all the major cloud service providers, so you can uh, truly run a, a kind of a hybrid uh, infrastructure, um, the fact that, you know, we have the internet exchanges in our data centers, all of those things um, together with the fact that we, you know, we, we keep uh, your data safe uh, makes it a no-brainer um, for a lot of uh, organizations. Um, certainly the ones with high volumes of data that need to be either stored, processed, or, or an, you know, they have end users that, uh, you know, have zero tolerance uh, to their services not being available. Uh, you, you have to be in a data center. Out, outsourcing to a data center is uh, it's simply the done thing now. To the... I guess, uh, elements that people really sell Ireland as a data centre location are our, our, our physical position between uh, the UK and the US and our wonderful, allegedly temperate climate now mm-hmm. that acts as a natural coolant for, uh, for the centre. Do you think these two elements still hold true or, you know, are more countries catching up, coming up with their own solutions or going, well, we can run a line to the US as well or, you know, we've got a better, you know, coolant technology coming down the line. So these aren't necessarily the concerns they once were. Um, I think there are two important elements, but I think what Ireland has is a a very compelling um, overall package. Dare I say it um, for for data you know for data centres and for for uh, international clients to host their data assets in Europe in Ireland. Um, it's not just those two elements, uh, although, as you point out, they, they are important. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of other things like, you know, obviously policy, um, you know, uh, the fact that we're English-speaking, uh, the, the fact that we have a very good, uh, skilled workforce, um, talented, uh, you know, the, the, the age uh, group that we have in Ireland, um, I think it's 50% of our, our, our workforce is between the ages of 25 and, and 35. Um, so young, tech savvy, um, you know, very pragmatic approach to things. It really suits um, a lot of U.S. Uh, organizations or global organizations that are looking to put digital assets in in Ireland. Um, uh, the fact that we have 
relatively risk-free infrastructure. Um, uh, certainly climate uh, uh, being one of those things is, is, is attractive as well. We don't have extremes in terms of uh, high temperatures or, or low temperatures, although this summer I don't know uh, how that fares, but uh, certainly not as extreme as we're having in Europe right now. Um, so all of those things, uh, package style, really make it a very compelling proposition um, for, for organizations. And, and sorry, one other thing as well is, is the fact that we now have a very good uh, track record in, in delivering um, very high quality products uh, in terms of data centers uh, uh, in Ireland. Um, you know, you've the, the world's leading uh, data center providers in Ireland um, coupled together with some of the largest cloud service providers uh, with, you know, uh, very uh, prestigious uh, uh, data centers, you know, mostly around the Dublin area, um, servicing uh, a European client base, base right out of uh, right out of Dublin. One of the issues you touched upon there that I think is really interesting in the context of what has happened over the, the past year is policy, um, particularly looking at what happened to Apple and, in Athenry, where basically um, some sort of uh, an element of nimbyism. Uh, appeared and managed to scupper the entire process and and the project ultimately as well. So when it comes to how government approaches data centres and how to support the industry while also Mm -hmm. getting across to people that look, uh, yeah, they're, they're they're not necessarily the most attractive-looking buildings, but they're not going to destroy the countryside either. You know, they they can be energy neutral. They can contribute employment to the surrounding area. How do you start to get that message across at at government level, if you will? Or or what sort of connections are there getting this message across? Um, I guess the first thing is is education because, um, you know, data centres are are just seen as, um, dare I say it, huge uh, sheds uh, or shed-like warehouse type uh, buildings um, uh, that that appear on on the face of it just to consume a lot of energy and provide uh, room for a lot of servers. Um, whereas there's so much more. If you if you look at not just the building infrastructure or fabric, what goes on in data centres is as important as as the building itself. I mean, uh, you know, anybody who uses technology nowadays, whether you're you know you're on your smartphone, you're you're transacting, doing something on your you know your bank account, doing gaming, whatever it might be, the chances are uh, you know your your data is flowing through uh, a data center or being processed through a data center or being stored in a data center. Um, and the fact that uh, these data centers reside in Ireland is, is very important. Uh, typically what happens when when you have a data center cluster is that there's a, a huge spin-off uh, in terms of Infrastructure benefits to the to the area, um, whether that be you know fiber, uh, power infrastructure, all of those things that um, service the the industry, but also uh, service the, the surrounding area, um, uh, and also there's a jobs multiplier as well. So uh, these servers don't just sit by themselves uh, doing nothing, just whirring away. Obviously, the building itself uh, has to be uh, maintained. You know, there's there's round the clock security. There's um, uh, contractors who are coming in doing maintenance on 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 chillers on uh on ups's on generators etc that's that's a year round uh thing and that's just on the infrastructure so um if you take take a look at the the actual it assets the servers themselves um there's there's a whole uh, industry around uh you know system integrators for example uh coming in playing their part in in um in managing, uh, advising uh, enterprises or whoever the the company might be, 
on on how to to uh, to manage their IT infrastructure uh, to to actually uh, physically manage it for themselves. Uh, so to monitor it, to to maintain it, uh, and to manage it and to advise. So um, you know, there's there's huge amounts of industry that grow up and pop up around um, a data center hub or a data center cluster. Um, you know, there's been lots of research done on this, but uh, for example, uh, in the US, they they reckon the the multiplier is for every one data center job, there's there's eight ancillary jobs um, created. I would argue that it's actually a lot higher than that, um, depending on what the data center function is. One of the problems, I suppose, with the tech sector is that is is also one of its strengths. I suppose is that it is so transient that it is so prone to uh, to trends. I mean, a couple of years ago, we would have been looking at the contribution of the gaming center through companies like Jolt and Big Fish, who who aren't with us anymore. Mm-hmm. So, how do you see it as a, a data center provider? Which sectors are you looking at and going? Do you know what? There's a massive business opportunity here, or maybe five years down the road, this is this is going to be huge for us. But at the same time. Here are areas that we should be concerned about that won't be as important to our business. Well, I suppose the beauty about being in the data center industry is that technology is cross-industry and data is cross-industry. So regardless of whether one sector may be, uh, you know, on a... uh, on a high trajectory, uh, you know, and another one might be on a low trajectory. Typically, that evens out. But, but um, you know, overall, the trend is that data is growing. I mean, you know, we're talking about the fourth industrial revolution, Internet of Things, uh, all, all of those things that are driving data, um, uh, both volumes, speeds, etc., and and all of that uh, is more and more uh, driving, uh, you know, the data center market and the data center industry to deliver on it. Um, the tre- the trend is is an upward trend. Um, you know, I think if we if we just look at the data center industry in Ireland, uh, three billion uh, euros has been invested in this industry uh, since its inception, um, and it's set to double. Uh, projections are showing that it's set to double within the next five years. Um, and that's based on what, what what's happening in the industry across U.S., Europe, and globally. Um, so it's you know it's 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 a it's a global phenomenon. It's not just an Irish phenomenon, um, and and it's and it's here to stay. And that was Niall Kitson talking to Tanya Duncan. That's almost it for our show this week. The programme is supported by PRTG Network Monitor from Paisler. Do check it out. And remember, you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website, techcentral.ie. Of course, you can listen to us each week online or Fridays on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Just before we go, we've got, well, we've kind of got one more story on the website that we didn't have time for on the podcast. What is it? Yeah, well, uh, any cinephiles interested in whether virtual reality will be making it to the multiplexes, there's a very interesting guy out there who has some very interesting opinions on it. You can check it all out at techcentral.ie. Until next week, from myself, Dusty, and from Niall, thanks so much for listening. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech Central.